You're listening to Pombo and Peter's Picks, the home of your favorite sports betting podcast, presented by The Daily Goat. Hello, welcome to another episode of Pombo and Peter's Picks. I'm Jason Pombo, joined as always by Peter Alves. Peter, how are we doing on this fine Thursday? How are we doing? How are we doing? Guess what I did what, on Sunday? What did you do on Sunday? Did not watch football, but watch some F, watch some F one. Yeah, so it was a great time. F F one is, it's if you like NASCAR, it's better than NASCAR. But it's just racing at the end of the day. But they go like two hundred fifty miles per hour. It's fun. I don't know much about F one racing. Growing up, I did watch NASCAR, uh, but I always remember that FN FN. I'm sorry, F one would go faster like you said they'd go 250 miles an hour now who was your favorite driver well i mean the best driver is ham so there's a guy named hamilton and just equivalent him to like tom brady because he's been like he has like 105 wins like the most wins of all time and like he's been good since like 2008 and like he's still good and everybody hates him because he's that good but i mean he's pretty good i mean the person that i was watching with was like rooting for lando i don't know who that is but I guess Lando. So what is F1? Do they just race in a specific country? Do they travel? I don't No, They travel the whole like world. I thought so. Yeah. It's if you saw cars too, it's Francesca that like car with the like no rims. The, yeah. I, I know what an yeah. F1 car looks like. I've just never watched or paid attention to the sport. Like I said, growing up, I like NASCAR. I was a big Jeff Gordon fan. Uh, my family and I used to go to Loudon to watch the race up in New Hampshire, and that was always a great time. But I kind of just grew out of the sport. Yeah, uh, they're but, like in Saudi Arabia on Sunday, and then they're like in Russia the next Sunday. They're in like Miami sometimes. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people crap on racing and stuff like that, but I always I enjoyed it. I enjoy going to Seekonk Speedway. Watch, we did that a couple times. I think you went with. Did you go with me? Yeah, Seekonk Speedway. That's always yeah, a good time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's always a good time. Like, I know it gets a lot of crap, but. Hey, I, I think it's cool. All right, enough about racing, though. Racing sucks. <laughs> but, Peter, despite the fact that you did not watch any NFL football on Sunday, uh, you still managed to go 4-1 and one with your picks. So, who'd, who'd you get? It's true. Patriots plus 3, joke of a game. Chiefs minus 10, Cardinals minus 7.5, Dolphins minus 4.5. And, and then my only loss was Jets plus 7. Although we're not going to talk about the Dolphins, we'll talk about them right now. Listen, I said it on the Bosox Bombers. So Dolphins are going to run the table and get the seventh seed. They're going to be 10 and seven, and two is the answer, I think. You said that in roughing the basket as well last week. Yeah. Uh, so I went three and two, not as good as you, but I had the Colts minus nine, which was a W. I had the under in the Giants Dolphins game under 40 and a half. I had the Patriots plus three. My losses were my premium, which was the 49ers Seahawks under 45 and a half. Uh, I thought for sure that was going to be a shoe in. There was some special teams action going on and turnovers in the red zone. And Russell Wilson yeah. looks like Russell Wilson. Though. Russell Wilson played his probably his best game of the year. And then I had the Raiders minus two and a half over Washington, which was an L. Uh, we'll get into it. Uh, but I think Washington is a team on the up and up. I agree. But Peter, we both had the Patriots plus three. Uh, was that that wasn't your premium pick, right? No, it almost was, but I was afraid. Yeah, so the Patriots ended up winning 14 to 10 against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, to me personally, it was one of the most interesting games I've ever watched. 
Uh, I think it is going to go down in NFL history as one of those classic games that we're never going to see again in our generation. It's one of those games. So the Patriots threw the ball three times, uh, which was the lowest, I believe, since 1978. Uh, but they still managed to win. Uh, they ran the ball for 222 yards, 111 by Damian Harris, 78 by Ramondre Stevenson, 28 by Brandon Bolden. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much how they won the game, 14 to 10. So th- in case you weren't paying attention, this game was surrounded by 50 mile per hour winds, uh, both directions, uh, some light snow flurries. It was one of the craziest weather conditions I've ever seen a game. Uh, Josh Allen on the other side with the Bills, he was 15 of 30, 145 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked twice and he had a QBR of 20.4. In a game in which you expect to run the ball, the Bills failed to do so. Uh, They had 25 carries as a team for 99 yards. Josh Allen was their leading rusher for six carries for 39 yards. So like I said, Peter, weather was the biggest factor in this game. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. I know a lot of people didn't enjoy watching it. But what were your takeaway? I enjoyed watching it just to see all the balls going to like stands. Nick Folk hit a bunch of field goals. I was surprised about that. But yeah, I mean, the elements were crazy. The Pats only passed the ball three times. Mac Jones actually uh, audible in one of those passes. But I mean, Belichick before the game had his Navy mask on. I mean, that's it's a Navy playbook right out of the gate. But I, I, I didn't think the Bills defense, well, like the defensive line couldn't stop anybody. And I agree. It's I know they had extra linemen and extra tight ends in there all day, but like Bills can't stop anybody. Bills are in the downward spiral. If they lose versus the Bucks this week, they're the nine seed. If you can believe that, I mean, Bills are have to win now mode. And I, I think after this game, Bill Belichick locked up coach of the year. I agree with the Belichick coach of the year. Uh, again, I think this is it was arguably one of his best defensive game plans, uh, and the offensive game plan you won't find another one like yet. And something like this isn't going to happen again for a long, long time. Uh, It was just a perfect storm for the Patriots. And they end up going on the road to get a critical in-division victory. Now, what do you make of Sean McDermott in his post-game comments about Bill Belichick and uh, what some of the Bill's players said post-game? It feels like there was a lot of tension uh, in the media after the fact of the game. But what, Let's start with McDermott. What do you think of his comments? He talked about how Bill Belichick doesn't deserve necessarily the, the credit, all the credit. I can pull up the exact quote. Um, well, I mean, listen, McDermott's just salty that he just got outplayed by somebody that passed the ball three times and he didn't think of it first. But And the other side, the defense, I, I don't get how you're that mad either. Like, stop the run one time. Like, even though they could have ran the ball every single time and just line up. The ten yards a clip on four downs. I mean, right. they they have, they have nothing to say. Like they're just it being crybabies an and just salty. It was, it's supposed to be their time. And listen, uh, Bill's time was eleven months, and now they're back to the basement where they belong. And don't stop now. The Dolphins are going to overtake them too. Peter is hot in the Dolphins, but McDermott's exact quote was, "Quote: Let's not give more credit than we need to." <laughs> Let's not give more credit than we need to give Bill Belichick in this one. <laughs> I can't even say that without laughing. And that's not even like an artificial laugh. Like I'm actually amused by it. Uh, it's just, I think Sean McDermott's an overrated coach. Uh, is he a top 15, top 10, 15 coach in the league? I would say so, but I think a lot of people think he's higher than that. 
And I just am not a believer in that. Uh, I think his roster has some flaws, I think, especially defensively, along with the front seven, most notably. And I think the offensive line, as long as the run game is well, had not played well. Uh, Josh Allen, again, he threw the ball 30 times. I think some of his throws were absolute bullets. And I think a lot of his other throws were inconsistent and they were well, taken by the wind. The turning game of that literal. Well, the turning point of that game was the drop touchdown by Stefan Dix and the yeah. back of the end zone. Yep. That was his. Uh, I thought that was a touchdown for sure. Yep. But Diggs has to come up with that ball. Uh, and again, Josh Allen, I know a lot of people believe he's elite. I'm still in the camp where I say no. Uh, and I think I'm going to stand by that. I He's had a couple clunkers here. The Jaguars game, most notably where they lost nine to six, the Colts game, couple weeks back, he did not play well. On Thanksgiving night against the Saints, he had two critical red zone interceptions. They won the game, but he did not play well. And even in this game, I know there were some weather concerns, but he made some bad decisions. I think when his first read isn't there and when he has to stay in the pocket, it, it doesn't always end well for him. He's always trying to go to his left, always try to go to his right because he can make all the throws. He has a cannon of an arm. Nobody's disputing that. But I think accuracy, decision-making – are not his best characteristics. He's got to and he's got to run the ball more though. I know you don't want your franchise quarterback to get killed, but that's that's all you can do as the Bills, you know. How do you tell you what? Like I've heard a lot of people say this on Twitter, radio, television. When you're building the team, right, the Buffalo Bills, you're arguably playing in the worst climate in all of America, right? How yeah. do you build a team with no running backs? Like how do you not tell you? Well, what? they're they're trying to be the Chiefs and just sling it. Exactly. They're, tr- they're trying to build yeah. their team to defeat the Chiefs. When in reality, there's other teams in the AFC they had to worry about, including the Patriots who have now overtaken them in the AFC. Uh, and again, I think the Bills are probably the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC right now. I wouldn't put them in that top three personally. I really wouldn't. Um, Listen, the AFC is a crap show. It's literally the Chiefs one and then everybody else. I had the Chiefs one, Patriots two. I had the Ravens three going into, la- going into last week. Uh, four, I believe I had the Bills, and then five, I had Indy. So I had Buffalo at four. If I were to redo those rankings, I think Buffalo might even slide to five. So I, again, Listen, a lot I have of Chiefs turmoil. one, and then Patriots like three A. Who's two? Indy, right? For no, you? N- nobody. No, nobody. Oh, who would be two? The Patriots by default. But listen, the Patriots still got to show me that like they can win a game. Well, listen, the the Colts game next week. That'll, that'll be a good test. They better be have their full strength. They better have no weather, no anything. Like well, it is. It's in Indy. It's in a dome. So yeah, yeah. yeah Carson be Wentz not better not be out. Jonathan Taylor better not get COVID. Like yeah, no, that's that's fair. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, the Patriots head to Indy not this Saturday, next Saturday. So that should be a good one. Another difficult task for the Patriots. We're now on a seven-game winning streak. Wait, but before we uh, pivot off this game, do you have Mac sure. Jones's QBR? Is it like zero? He's just yeah, he's not registered. You need no, it's not. It, it's not zero. It's not anything. You need to throw, I believe, five or ten passes to count as a QBR. Oh, he has a quarterback rating. I believe it was eighty-four. But QBR <laughs> is uh, okay. no, no. You, you know can't. who the best pass defense is in the NFL now? Is it the New England Patriots? It is New England Patriots one and Buffalo Bills number two. Yeah, here we are, and the Patriots Bills square off in two more weeks. So, uh, sticking with the AFC theme here, let's talk a little bit of. Ravens Steelers. So an AFC North, I don't want to call it a shootout, of course, but uh, how about a, a match of two teams that have a long history with each other, 
uh, who are known for defense and gritty, and that's what this game was. So the Steelers ended up winning 20-19. to Ben Roethlisberger was 21 of 31 for 236 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Najee Harris, 21 carries, 71 yards. Uh, in terms of the Steelers receiving options, Deontay Johnson, uh, he had a great game, eight receptions, 105 yards and two touchdowns. For the other side, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, he was 23 of 37 for 253 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He was sacked seven times. Uh, in terms of the Ravens' run game, Lamar Jackson led them in rushing yards with 55. In terms of receiving options, Marquise Brown had five receptions for 55 yards. So the Steelers ended up taking a late lead in the fourth quarter to go up uh, 20 to 13 in the game, or 20 to 14. I, no, was it 2013? Yeah, it was 2013, tw- right? It was tw- yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, 2013. Uh, so the Ravens drive down the field with about a minute left to play, and they score a touchdown to make the score 20 to 19. And instead of electing to just kick the uh, extra point with Justin Tucker, who's the best kicker in the National Football League, they elected to go for two points for the win. And they failed. Uh, the play was a design. I don't want to call it a rollout, but I, I guess I'll categorize it as a rollout. A rollout to Mark Andrews. Uh, Andrews was open on the play, but he just wasn't able to come up with the ball. Uh, and the ball was incomplete. And the Steelers ended up hanging on to win 20-19. to 19. So what do you think of the decision to go for two? John Harbaugh is not typically known as that go-for-two kind of guy. Uh, I know in his post-game comments, he insisted upon that he was worried about the Ravens' secondary. Uh, Humphreys, he's out for the remainder of the season, and the Ravens lost uh, a lot of their secondary earlier in the year, so their defense is depleted. Uh, What do you make of that comment? Do you believe Harbaugh? Would you have kicked the extra point? What do you think? I would have kicked the extra point, but you got to be consistent on if you're going to give Harbaugh all the credit when they do make that two-point conversion because Mark Andrews should have caught that ball and you're just going to like rave about John Harbaugh. You can't get mad at him for not kicking the extra point, I guess. Even though it is a second guess for Justin Tucker, but I I believe that the Steelers would have just drove down the field if they lost the coin toss. The Ravens team is, as you said, probably the second most injured team of all time behind the Titans this year. And it's just bad circumstance all the way around that. This is another reason why that the AFC sucks. Ravens, like Lamar Jackson, like what do you have? Like eight interceptions in the last three games. Like, yeah, he's, he's not had a good year. Uh, I think a lot of it can be stemmed back to those injuries, especially in the run game and the offensive line, but he hasn't played well. He's had some bad turnovers. Uh, The four interception game against the Cleveland Brown comes to mind. Uh, a couple other clunkers. How about the Thursday night game against Miami? Uh, there's been a couple bad ones for Lamar Jackson. So when you look at this, I would have kicked the extra point. Uh, I don't care how many cornerbacks you lost. Uh, I still would have kicked the extra point. Uh, you're not facing the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Bucks or something like that where they have an offense that can do whatever they want. Uh, I, I would have took the chance into overtime. That's what I would have done. And through three quarters, the Steelers only had three points. It's not like the Steelers have scored 38 points here. Uh, they only had three points going into the fourth quarter. And the Steelers scored 17 in the fourth quarter for the win. Uh, I, I know injuries came in a part of it, but look, uh, I'm a fan of John Harbaugh. I think he's probably the second or third best coach in the league. Uh, but at that point, you just kick the extra point. You don't get cute with it, especially against a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have turned the ball over a lot. Ben Roethlisberger has not played well. And Najee Harris, who I thought would have a bigger year, uh, I, I felt like the Steelers' offense is just 
below average, average, whatever you want to call it, I would have kicked the extra point and took my shot in overtime because you have the better offense. You arguably have the better defense. I, I don't know. That's just what I would have done. And I think it hurts this Ravens team who now fell to eight and four on the season. And the Steelers, uh, they kept their head above water. They're now six, five, and one. So if the Steelers would have lost that, I probably would have called them out for playoff considerations. And the Ravens, if they would have won that, they'd still have the number one seed in the AFC. So they dropped from number one uh, to number, did they drop to two or three? I think they dropped to three. Yeah, I think it was three. So not good if you're a Baltimore Raven fan. And that's a situation where they have another big game this week against the Cleveland Browns in division in Cleveland. Yeah, that the schedule is weird because the Browns had the Ravens by Ravens. Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, Let's stick with the AFC, Peter. Uh, let's talk about your Cincinnati Bengals. You were hot on earlier in the year and with the Chargers. You were, you were hot on both these teams. Hey, they'll so still the make Chargers. They'll make it, I think. <laughs> Chargers. Actually, one of them can't make it because I have the Dolphins making the playoffs now. You have Miami making the playoffs, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm real high on the Dolphins. They're going to make the playoffs 10 7 because the Pat, Pat's game week 18 won't matter. Okay, so that's Peter's prediction. Mark that down December 9th. Uh, Chargers defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 41 22. Uh, Justin Herbert in the first half, he was absolutely dominant. For the game, he was 26 of 35, 317 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Herbert put up 24 points in the first half. Uh, He was spectacular. He had a quarterback rating of 118.9. And he was spreading the ball out real well. Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Jalen Guyton, uh, they all, Jared Cook, they all got in some action. Uh, Other side of things, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, uh, he got banged up with the Pinky injury, but he stayed in the game. But uh, he didn't look at his normal self. He was 24-40 for 300 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. He was sacked six times. Uh, He had a QBR of 32.6. Joe Mixon had 19 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown, and a costly, costly fumble. Uh, T. Higgins was the leading receiver for the Bengals. He had nine receptions for 138 yards and a touchdown. And Jamar Chase had five catches for 52 yards. So, uh, to me, this game was lost for the Bengals after that Joe Mixon fumble. I know the Bengals were down at halftime, 24 to 13, but it felt like they were going on a little bit of a run before that mix and fumble. And I think that ended up costing them. The Chargers advanced to seven and five, which was a big win for them on the road, especially for tiebreakers. And the Bengals fell to seven and five, and they are now three and three at home this season. What's your takeaway from this game? Yeah, these these are the two teams I can't figure out at all. Chargers, they can put up points with anybody. If they're in a shootout with anybody, I, I can believe that the Chargers will win. But I, back of my mind, Chargers are a stupid team, and they'll always be stupid. But the Bengals, I think they're too injured again. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow, as you said, has a finger injury. Joe Mixon has a neck injury now. T. Higgins is going to be out for this game. I think the injuries are going to catch up to the Bengals and just make them not, like, incompetent, but make them lose. And Jamar Chase, uh, as a, I mean, listen, if you're Joe Burrow, you, you got to get that uh, interception annulled from your uh, stat line because that's an absolute disgrace. But what uh, Jamar Chase did, he should have called that ball for a touchdown. But I, I think that Jamar Chase has even lost steam on the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. I think he's – even in Vegas, they have him now as a distant second behind Mac Jones. Even though it's not even close. I, I think he's going to still win. I don't think so. I think it's Mac Jones's now. Absolutely. Oh, really? I mean, Patriots, yeah. Because here's the thing. If the Patriots, let's say they finish – 12 and five, right? Or 13 and four, whatever it may be. Um, 
And Mac Jones is going to finish with a stat line of 23 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Because I know Mac Jones, yeah, Mac Jones is winning a bunch, but he's not lighting the world on fire. No, he's not. But I don't think, I, I feel like Jamar Chase would have to continue uh, his dominant march. And he, nece- and he hasn't necessarily done that. He slowed down. Now, in the first two months of the year, I was right with you. And I thought it was Jamar Chase by a landslide. Because the Patriots were losing. And the other rookie quarterbacks have kind of faded. In turn, well, they never really got off to a start. You know, like uh, the Jaguars are really, really bad. Uh, Justin Fields has been banged up. He's been in and out of the lineup. Trey Lance hasn't really seen, he has, he has a point. seen the field. And um, last one I'm missing is uh, Zach, Zach Wilson, who's also yeah. been hurt in the Jets are arguably the worst team in the league. So, yeah, that all that stews into a Mac Jones or Jamar Chase rookie of the year. I would vote Mac Jones just for the sole purpose of Jamar Chase losing steam and the Patriots, just the position they are currently at. Because if Mac Jones, let's say Jones had 15 touchdowns, but 15 picks, then I'd be like, all right, I'll take Jamar Chase. But Mac Jones has a positive touchdown to interception ratio. He's a top 15 quarterback by all advanced metrics, all regular metrics, however you want to slice it. Uh, I think it'll be Mac Jones. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Unless Chase just blows up in the next month and he leads the Bengals to a the playoffs. That's the only thing that I can necessarily see. But I think you made a good point. These teams are a roller coaster. They're inconsistent. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily love either of them. Some weeks I do, other weeks I don't. Like this week, I felt like, especially in the first half, I thought Justin Herbert had probably his best half of football he's played all season. But then you go back a couple weeks and the Bengals kick the crap out of the Ravens. And I was like, wow, maybe the Bengals are, are legit. And then you look at other weeks and it's like, oh, the, Patri- uh, the Patriots beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Oh, the Bengals lose to the Chargers. I don't know. These teams are inconsistent. And like you said, they all might not get in in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, because you have the Chargers, Bengals, I mean, Steelers stepping around the Colts and Dolphins, if you want to throw them in there. But I, I don't know. As I keep saying the last three, four weeks, the AFC is wide open. Now, before we pivot here, if you're building a team, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? Uh, Herbert, but Burrow would – yeah, not Herbert. It's close, but I say Herbert. Very yeah. close because I think Burrow can play. But if you put, like, Chase with Burrow and then you put, like, Keenan Allen with Herbert, I'd take Burrow and Chase all day. So you're pretty neck and neck. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on here. Let's hit some NFC action. Shout out Noah Byrne and roughing the basket. The Detroit Lions registered their first regular season victory, uh, 29-27 over the Minnesota Vikings. They now move to 110 and 1. Uh, I'm not gonna, we don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time on this, but uh, shout out Dan Campbell. Uh, shout out Jared Goff. Shout out Noah. Lions finally get it done. Noah's been very down about the Lions. He's been on record saying they'd go 0-16 and 1. Uh, for probably the last, what, a month, two months. But I felt this team was just, they just played too hard to lose every game. It's difficult to lose every regular season game. And they were, they could have, they've been in how many games this year? Six, seven, like they've been in one possession. And Jared Goff led the Lions to a fourth quarter victory as time expired. Last play of the game for the victory over the Vikings. And the crazy thing is the Lions had a 26-6 I'm sorry, a 20 to six lead at halftime. And of course they blew it in Lions fashion, but it doesn't matter. They registered a win. 
first of the season. Shout out, Noah. You got anything to say for Noah and the Lions faithful? Good job, Noah. You get your first win, and you'll still get the first overall pick, which is good. But, I mean, listen, other side, Vikings, I know you're injured all the way around on defense. No Anthony Barr, no Eric Kendricks, but that is an absolute disgrace. You can't let the Lions drive that up and down the field all day. I agree. It. And it's not, and- even Kirk, it's not even Kirk Cousins' fault either. It's not the yeah. offense at all. No, I will say this game is a clincher because I think the Vikings playoff chances, they took a real step back, especially with Washington now heating up Uh, San Francisco. I know they lost, but I feel like they're a better team. The Minnesota, they beat them last week. Uh, And there's some other teams in the NFC hovering around. I don't sleep on the Eagles either. And the Eagles too. That was the other team I was missing. Absolutely. Uh, But I think those teams could ultimately keep Minnesota out of the playoffs, which means I think Mike Zimmer is fired at the end of the season. Oh, Mike Zimmer should have been fired two years ago. Yeah. And I don't think he's a bad coach. I really don't. But I think his time in Minnesota is done. I think the mediocrity is just too much. Uh, I don't believe it's Cousins' fault because I think he's having arguably the best season of his career. I know they've had injuries, but so has every other team in the NFL. I know Dalvin Cook's been in and out of the lineup, but that's no excuse. Steelen's banged up. I get it. But you're a team that should be with in terms of like on paper talent, you should be in the mix for a playoff spot. You should be. Instead, you're losing to the Detroit Lions, which was a god-awful coverage on that last play of the game. Like, that was awful for Minnesota's defense. Absolute atrocity. Good job, everyone. Jared Goff and the Lions, and you're going to play this soft zone defense where you gave the receiver about six yards open space. That's abomination. Hey, if you want to watch our emotional video, just watch the last two seconds, and then Dan Campbell, like, jumps up and down and, like, hugs Jared Goff, and then the locker room celebration after, like, it's great. Yeah. I know we're going to get into it in a couple minutes, but huge week in Michigan sports. They had Jim Harbaugh in Michigan win the Big Ten title and clinch a college football playoff spot, and the Lions get their first ever win. So, first ever win. First win of the 2021 season. Fun fact, they have not won before that 364 games ago, or days ago. Yeah, absolute crazy. Uh, Just one other NFL topic I want to get to before we hit into some college football stuff. Uh, the Eagles beat the Jets 33 to 18. Gardner Minshew, he's the story I want to talk about. 20 to 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns, QBR of 78.3, and a quarterback rating of 133.7. I know it's just against the Jets, but I think Gardner Minshew played extremely well in this game. Now, do you so they only gave up a sixth round pick to get him, which is crazy to me. I always felt like he was somebody that should be starting, uh, is a bridge kind of role, similar to how. Teddy Bridgewater is in Denver. I think Minshew's good enough to where he should be playing in this NFL season. Uh, what do you think of Minshew? Do you think, I'm not going to say puts pressure on Jalen Hurts or anything, but do you think he made a good audition for himself for the 2022 season? Totally agree. He should be starting somewhere that's not the Eagles and that needs a quarterback. Gardner Minshew. Listen, Minshew mania is running all over everything, but I mean, it is a Jets at the end of the day, so you got to pump the brakes a little yeah. bit. I get it, but you look at how things transpired for him in the offseason, how Urban Meyer kind of screwed that whole transaction up. The Jets made a deal with the Eagles a couple months ago, and they traded a fifth-round pick to get Joe Flacco. It took, and Joe Flacco's played, what, one game this season? I mean, the Jet a, a trade compensation costs more to get Joe Flacco than Gardner Minshew, which is absolutely absurd to me. I know Minshew doesn't have the victories, but he's played well when he's had to. Uh, his stat lines look fantastic doesn't turn the ball over now where could he fit in 2022 i don't know 
We'll see how things shake I'm out. I'm going to plant be my flag somewhere. and say he's going to go to the Seahawks. Oh, Peter, you suck. You absolutely suck. That's exactly what I was going to say. You suck, Peter. That was going to be exactly what I was going to say. Because they got to blow it up. I think, again, this week isn't the week to talk about it, but I think Wilson's gone. I agree with you. But, yeah, I think Minshew in Seattle would be interesting because Seattle doesn't have a first-round pick. Uh, I think Minshew would be someone that could come compete, build, help build a culture there for a year or two. That would be interesting to see. In terms of other spots, if Houston elects to punt on a quarterback this year, which in all probability they might have to uh, because the quarterback class, there isn't likely anyone to be selected in the top five or top ten, so they might have to. Maybe the Detroit Lions as well. I mean, who knows how where Minshew's nah, future is going to lead. Too much money. Maybe Atlanta. Uh, back up Matt Ryan and who know I don't know we'll see but I, he should not be with the team that already has a franchise quarterback all right let's move on to some college football action Peter uh, this week was championship weekend right uh, and I think it lived up to the hype uh, so the college football playoff officially officially enacted uh, top four teams Alabama number one uh, after their win in the SEC championship against the Georgia Bulldogs uh, they rolled Georgia uh, they beat them in every facet of the game every phase of the game, and they deserve the number one seed, in my opinion. Uh, number two was the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they won the Big Ten title. They defeated Iowa handily. That defense played extremely well in that game and all season long. I think Michigan is worthy of that number two seed, especially after the win against Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. Uh, I understand that going into the game against Alabama, they were undefeated. So I, I do think they deserve to be in it. And number four was Cincinnati. Uh, again, undefeated. I understand they're not in a Power 5 conference, but they deserved it. Uh, they played well all season long, undefeated, only team that is still undefeated. They have a good program, good head coach down there. Uh, I think Cincinnati is deserving, despite the fact that they're not flashy, but Luke Fickle has them in the right direction, so I get it. So Alabama will be playing Cincinnati. Uh, we're not going to pick the games today. We'll pick them in a couple weeks. We'll have Carr back on of Rough in the Basket. And then Michigan will play Georgia. So what were your takeaways? Do you agree with the committee? Do you disagree? What do you think? I mean, ultimately, I do agree. I mean, the committee did not want Cincinnati in there at all. But, I mean, just based on circumstance, they had to because they're undefeated. Listen, I wanted chaos. I wanted Cincinnati to lose and then North of Dame to come in and then, like, all hell Without break loose coach. over there. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that to happen bad. I mean, Michigan winning, that, that was great to see. I think, ultimately, I think it's Michigan's year. Even though Alabama beat Georgia, like, going away and i know we're not predicting stuff but it just feels like michigan's here see okay so i think i, I know where peter's leaning but uh again we'll make those predictions in a couple weeks after the ho- after the holidays and up and is georgia then. not four because they just didn't want alabama georgia again uh partially yes and again they were undefeated they were only allowing seven points a game before this alabama game i, I think they deserve the three seed i, I really do uh personally Cincinnati's not a top they're not a power five school they haven't their schedule was completely different oh, from yeah, Georgia walk but like yeah I, I was like that's I, why I was, and I think that too yeah yeah and uh I'm just gonna pull up the lines here really quick uh, again they could all they could absolutely change uh by the next two weeks there's been rumors that Georgia might have a quarterback change uh JT Barrett could end up getting the nod who knows it's a crime it's a crime though we have to wait like three weeks for that though yeah, it's What's it, it up is, with that? but it's just how it goes bowl season. But uh, that'll be uh, the Alabama-Cincinnati game right now. Alabama is 
13 and a half point favorites. And then for the Georgia Michigan game, Georgia is seven and a half point favorites. So wow, both games Georgia's, are on New Year's Eve. Wow, Georgia's even damn. Yeah, so they're touchdown favorites. So you gotta think SEC over Big Ten. Yeah. We've seen that happen a lot in bowl season where teams that rolled over competition in the Big Ten played a SEC school and it didn't end up well. But that's gonna be a fun time on New Year's Eve. Peter, we get to watch it together. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah that'll be good. Uh, oh, I'm de- oh, listen, listen, side listen. story, side story. I, I, I've quit gambling for a long time. That's going to be the first game that I actually gamble on. I think it is true. Peter has not made a way, uh, sports wager in a long time. I Ever fully, since the Panthers uh, game. Yeah, no, I, I fully, uh, he's right. Absolutely right. And Matt Cunha is say, saying that's absolute bull. Like it's not bull. All right. No, it's not Matt. It is. It is not. It, it is not. Absolutely not. I firsthand, uh, can back Peter on this one. All right, Peter, let's transition here. So big UFC card this Saturday. Uh, we have an odd Dylan on the podcast of Cheap Talk Wrestling. He also is a UFC contributor for the Daily Goat. Uh, I think we should bring him on now. He can talk a little bit about the card, who he likes, because this card is one of the most anticipated cards uh, of the month of December, uh, probably into January. So without further ado, uh, Dylan, what's up? How we doing, guys? How we doing? Good. Very good. So tell us, we haven't had you on the show in a while. Um, I think the last card we had you on was, who was it, Peter? Do you remember? Was it, it wasn't Poirier McGregor, like three, right? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was Poirier McGregor. It was a while ago. In January? That's... No, no, it definitely No, was... it was later. No, in Whatever like July. It was. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, probably July around yeah. there. Damn. So we're bringing Dylan back because big card. So Dylan. Talk us through what do you think of overall and who do you like? And let's get to it. Oh, uh, last show of the UFC calendar, uh, pay-per-view wise, they always try and make a big card and make a big to-do out of it. They got two title fights on this one, uh, the men's lightweight title and the women's bantamweight title. And then um, Jose, Jose Masvidal and Leon Edwards were supposed to be on this card, but got pulled quite a while ago so a little upsetting there but overall good card uh another fan favorite sean o'malley's on the card um random fan favorite on the early prelims in uh ryan hall it's a big jujitsu guy doesn't get to fight a lot um but i think overall going to be a really really good card saturday night isn't the guy from massachusetts on this card Randy Costa, Randy Costa yeah, yeah. Like buried uh, New England Mafia, whatever they call it. Yeah, uh, yeah. good fighter, bantamweight, still trying to get a decent name. Although he's got um, he's facing Tony Kelly. Who, who Tony that? Kelly, yeah. So good fight for him. Um, he's currently six and two, coming off a loss. So hopefully looking to rebound here and get back in the win column, start building towards uh, that top fifteen. Now, in terms of, let's start off with, uh, other than like the main event, what are fights you're kind of looking at? And you're like, wow, like I'm looking forward to this one. So I think um, right now the opener is going to be Sean O'Malley versus uh, Paiva, who O'Malley's a 305 favorite. Um, so I'm, I'm not really concerned about him. It's another sort of. Sean O'Malley's got to fight somebody real. They got to give him a top 15. He's I think this off. is going to be the last hurdle before they give him like a ranked fighter. Is there a reason um, why he hasn't had a ranked fighter? Because I remember we, me, Peter, I think we talked about this, whatever it was, months and months ago when he was fighting um, 
Waldo. Yes. Yeah. I think the thing is they were they would have been poised to, but the leg injury he had um kind of set him back almost a year. Um because it was something with his wasn't his Achilles, but something in the lower, the lower like ankle region there kind of really set him off. Um, so probably just making sure he's healthy and because he's so popular. So you got to start giving him better, better fighters because he's just walking through these unranked guys. But um, the fight I'm really interested in is actually the one right above that. Uh, Cody Garbrandt versus uh, Kai Kara France at a flyweight or 125 pounds. Um, should be a really, really good matchup. Cody Garbrandt, former uh, Bantamweight champion and Kai Kara France has been sort of up and coming and really showcasing some power at 125 pounds, which you don't really see from a lot of guys at that weight. Okay, so that's interesting. Cody uh, Garbrandt's got to start winning, though. Yeah, no love, uh, no glove, no love. Garbrandt sort of falling from grace a little bit, but thanks, TJ. <laughs> He's still got like. It's sneaky power. Like, I think uh, if he's had a good camp and he has a good weight cut this week, everything like that, we'll see Friday morning. Um, I think he's got a good shot, but uh, he's currently a negative 155 favorite. I might I might go with Cara France here, plus, uh, plus 135. I don't think that's a bad, bad go there. Maybe not really a big upset, kind of back and forth. Now, it feels like, a lot of the attention is getting towards Poirier, Amanda Nunes's fight. So about those two fights in particular, um, who do you like? And do you think they're going to live up to the hype? All right. So um, I'll start off with Amanda Nunes. She's the co-main. Um, she is honestly, I think at this point, it's no longer an argument. The women's, the greatest women's fighter of all time. I think she surpassed Ronda Rousey. I think she's surpassed Gina Carano, uh, Chris Cyborg. She is she beat into a pulp um, Cyborg. And this is another time where she's above negative 850 on the betting odds. Um, it's it's not even fair. Like she she has literally cleaned out the Bantamweight division twice now. Um, it, she's think- the most dominant woman fighter of all time and you can't even dispute that anymore yeah i i have a hard time even saying like oh if you want to have fun and just throw like you know 10 bucks on the underdog like no you're just you might as well like 10 bucks on fire unless like like it literally took her like less than a minute her last fight to win i, I think it was like 56 seconds and it was over so you it don't get like, you don't give juliana pena any shot at all no i, I mean i don't want to count the woman out it's mma one clean one clean shot can change a whole fight, but Nunes has so much power. And then the problem is too, even if you get her to the ground, such great submission game and great control. So it's, she basically, I just think has the advantage in every aspect of the fight, but I mean, stranger things have happened. How about for uh, the main event here with Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier? Uh, Poirier is somebody that feels like he's got a lot of national attention the last six months to a year. Feels like he's a name that if he isn't um, ascending, then he's already kind of pretty well known throughout the country, even from fans of just casual MMA fans. So what do you like about this fight? And 
Do you think Poirier makes a real big uh, – does he kind of do what he's been doing lately and win? Yeah, you know what? I will say these are definitely two guys who have started reaching out more to the casual audience. Uh, Poirier more than Oliveira. I think Oliveira to some casuals still not um, known for everything he's done. But Poirier is a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Uh, really just a great heart on him as well as his, his striking ability. Um you know, he beat Conor McGregor twice in their trilogy and yep, now finally getting a title shot. Um, not his first title shot, but I, I think he has a good chance here. I think it's this has the potential to go all 25 minutes, I think. Um, and then you have the champion, Charles Dubronx Oliveira, um, longest win streak in lightweight history in the UFC. Uh, 15 fights at one point, I believe. Um, and most submissions uh as well and really tough champion here not you know the most amazing striker um but if he gets a hold of some sort of appendage there's a good chance he's tapping you out and right now uh DraftKings from the UFC website uh has him as a plus 140 underdog as the champion which I actually really like I think you although Por- Por- Poirier is the underdog no uh Oliveira is the underdog okay yeah, a little bit of a rare sight here. That's crazy since he's champion. Yeah, that's why, you know, weird seeing a champion as an underdog, but I think a lot of the odds makers, stuff like that, got to be basing it on how hot Poirier's been. I mean, he's been phenomenal in his last three or four fights. Um, I just, I don't see either of the belts changing hands on this card. I really like Dustin Poirier. I like him as a person. Uh, as well as a fighter, he's he's a great dude. He has a great charity um, that he works with in his home state of uh, Louisiana. Um, but I just I think Oliveira really really has worked so hard and for so many years to get to this point. I don't see him giving giving the belt up in this fight. Okay, uh, Peter. So what do you make of this card? Uh, you you're, are you a Poirier guy or no? I don't remember. You either like I'm him a, a lot. Or you I don't mean, like I'm him. a Poirier guy at the end of the day. Conspiracy time. I said this on the Bo Sox. Listen, if Poirier wins the title, they're gonna literally set up McGregor Poirier four for the title down the road. I'm telling you, it's gonna it will happen. And it, really, McGregor's still in these title conversations. It feels I mean, like time he, and time again. It's no, he shouldn't be, but just because of his name and just because he can the sell money. A, t- a ton of yeah pay per view buys and just is what it is. I mean, he's looking like triple eight. If you look at a picture of him right now, because he can't do like anything with his legs. He's he literally looks like a bodybuilder from the like waist up. He literally looks like triple eight. I'm done. I mean, this is just me personally. I'm sort of burnt out with McGregor. I, I I've seen, I've seen what he can do. We saw him at his peak, but we've also seen some bad losses. Oh yeah. He's got to start winning, but. But that's what people have been saying for how many years, Dylan? How many years have we been waiting for him to finally get a signature victory? Probably, probably since the Habib loss. Um, you know, people talked about when he came back, beat Donald Cerrone in 40 what seconds. Year, that doesn't count, was that? though. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, the Habib fight was 20, 2018? 2018, 2019. So we're going, on four, we're going on four years here. Just about, right? Yeah, probably somewhere around four. Yeah, and but, it's just, he's a name. I get it. I, I, I get it. Yeah, like I'll say, the guy the guy is definitely a, a you know, a money draw. He's, he's broken the UFC pay-per-view record. I can't tell you how many times, but you can't just be throwing him in title fights. You got to give him – I don't care if you give him a ranked opponent. Like, give him someone in the top 10, but he doesn't deserve to be fighting, you know, the number one, number two ranked guy. Like, give him number seven. Like, it's, yeah, he's 
just can't like and right now he's he's walking around at 190 pounds so trying to cut down to 155 that's a tough weight cut that's a tough yeah. weight cut yeah so dylan is there anything else you want to bring up about this card anything in general uh when's the when's the next card after this that's notable here does anyone know off the top of their head uh i think january january middle of january is the uh, heavyweight title bout between uh, Francis Ngannou and Ciro Gagne um, for a unification of the heavyweight belt? So that in January, all right. Well, we can have you back on for that. Brandon Moreno, maybe we is can on do that a... card. Greg Hardy is on that card. Oh, uh, so it's pretty right. good card. Be yeah, it's going to be a good big start to the year. Yeah, I think one of the Nermagametto, uh, Makachev might be on that card too. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Dylan is liking Oliveira. He that's his. It seems like that's the guy he's going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, interesting. So we'll see how that pays out. I I hope it's entertaining. Uh, I felt like I've watched a lot of the last couple big UFC cards, and I think it's been worth it. Like it's been worth the experience, worth the watch. Because at the end of the day, it's been a good product. So hopefully, uh, this card rings true. So Dylan, thank you very much. Appreciate you having you on as always. So you can check Dylan out on Twitter. His handle is. I believe it's uh, at DJ Sarv 21. Thank you, Peter. There you go. You can also catch Dylan on Cheap Talk Wrestling. Wait, Dylan, are your Packers going to make the Super Bowl? Um, I'd, I'd like them to. Um, <laughs> well, you know. I mean, listen, everybody would like them to. You know, um, they like getting to the NFC championship game. They're they're big fans of that, but uh, Brady and the Bucks have, uh, you know, kind of been. Don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that. Looking good. Oh, my goodness. Have you guys seen the um, before I go here, the video of uh, Bill Burr from FanDuel, the interview? Who do you interview? Somebody was interviewing. Uh, I I didn't see it. And it's just like a little, he like changes, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, but he changes it to, it's beginning to look a lot like 2001. I like Bill Burr. He's hysterical. I'll send you guys the clip. I I gotta go see that. I like Bill Burr. Bill Burr cracks me up. Like in, he was neat. I I know you guys aren't huge Star Wars fans, but he was even in like the Mandalorian for like, it was, he's awesome. I I love Bill Burr. So big. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I still think the Packers have a good shot to make the Super Bowl. Um, am I going to put money on it? Probably not, because I don't want to watch my hopes and dreams. At least you're honest. Don't want to throw them in a parlay, but he ain't gonna. He's not gonna throw them in a future. Now, uh, you know, the the day of the NFC Championship game. Please feel free to at me at DJ Sarve Twenty One, and I'll send you a nice photo of uh, Eli Squidward's hopes and dreams. Um, <laughs> But thank you guys so much again for having me on. Not a problem, Dylan. Always welcome. And like I said, catch Dylan on Cheap Talk Wrestling along with uh, thedailygoats.com with his UFC content. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you, guys. All right, Peter. That was some good UFC talk. Uh, Why don't we move on to our picks of the week? So last week, Peter, what did we go? Seven and three? Sure. I went four and one, three. Yeah, that's right. Boom. That's a 700 clip, baby. All right. I'll start off here. Washington plus four and a half over the Cowboys. I feel really good about this one. I really do. Washington is rolling. They've won four games in a row. Uh, They beat Brady's Bucks. Uh, I know Russell Wilson isn't what he has in previous years, but they beat Russell Wilson. They had a pretty good game plan against Cam Newton to win that one. 
And now uh, they just came off a pretty big win against the Vegas Raiders. That's four in a row. On top of that, their defense has only allowed 17 and a half points per game during that span. And last year, they beat the Cowboys twice. And they beat them handily. I like Washington plus four and a half. I might even like them outright. I, I totally agree. That's why I also have the Washington football team plus four and a half. The back of my mind is that the Cowboys are getting healthy again, minus Ezekiel Elliott. But that's and Pollard too. Pollard didn't practice on Wednesday. Listen, Pollard is overrated. The only reason why he's good oh, no. is because he they use him correctly. If he was a full time uh, running back, he would get killed. You watch when Pollard's the lead back of. And he can't pass protect. But yeah, I like Washington. Do you like Washington outright? I do. Um. Uh, yeah, because I need the Washington football team to win that division. I, I want the uh general Christmas time where like it's the NFC like East like championship game on Sunday night football, like that one. And teams and teams are battling with like nine wins apiece. Yeah, and fun fact if Washington wins outright, like it runs the table, they win the NFC East. Do you think if they if they win the rest of the table? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dallas has faded the last couple weeks. They haven't looked their normal selves. Uh, they had that loss against Kansas City. They've had a couple of losses along the way. My next pick, Seattle Seahawks minus 7.5 over the uh, Texans. Look, there's a lot of uncertainty for Houston right now, especially at their quarterback position. Tyrod Taylor is kind of banged up, kind of benched. Uh, Davis Mills, formally benched for Tyrod Taylor. So, look, I know Jamal Adams is out for the year, but if Seattle has any pride left, especially after that 49ers win, to come out swinging and win by more than a touchdown, this is the week to do it. This should be a game where Seattle wins Seattle wins handily and they get some confidence. Not saying they're going to make the playoffs because they're either not, in my opinion, but they look, they're going to win this game by more than a touchdown. They are. Simple as that. Next. I have the Packers minus 12 and a half versus the Bears. It is an ultimate crime that the NFL s- still stuck with the Bears Packers on Sunday Night Football. Andy Dalton with the Bears, the Bears. Ever since they lost Cleo Mack on defense, I can't stop a lick. I think the Packers are going to win like 40, 50 to like 10. Yeah, and Justin Fields looks like he's going to be healthy too. It's unknown who the quarterback will be as of Thursday. It could be Dalton, Fields. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I thought about it, but I ended up deciding against it. But I don't know. I, I like that pick though. Uh, next one, Falcons plus two and a half over the Cam Newton's Carolina Panthers. Weird week for the Panthers. I don't know if people are paying attention, but the Panthers fired offensive coordinator Joe Brady uh, last Sunday at about 1.30, uh, 1 o'clock. It was weird. Uh, Joe Brady is going into the season, was considered as one of the hottest head, young offensive-minded head coach candidates in the league, uh, formerly of LSU. He was Joe Burrow's offensive coordinator, and it looked like he was doing some good things there, especially last year even into the early part of this year. Now, I know they've had a rough go of it the last four to six weeks uh, due to the Sam Darnold injury, due to Darnold's play diminishing. Uh, I know Miami kicked Cam Newton's butt, but I don't know. I felt like that was a weird little decision uh, because I really like Joe Brady. He even got a head coaching interview last year down in Atlanta. So I I was caught off guard by that one. And it feels like there is some conflict down there in Carolina. I like Atlanta plus two and a half. I know Cam Newton and the Panthers are coming off a bye. But McCaffrey's out for the season. I like the Falcons. Cam Newton just destroying people's jobs. 
That's what he does. That was just weird. Like, uh, Joe Brady's been fired. I was like, what? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I thought Matt Rule was going to get fired before Joe Brady. No, they gave Rule, like, one of those Dan Campbell six-year deals. Like, they're paying him a lot of money. No, Rule's not going anywhere. No. Next pick is the Browns minus two and a half. I almost picked this as my premium pick, but decided against it. I think the bye week is going to help them. They faced the Ravens two weeks ago, as we said at the beginning of the podcast. And the Ravens are scuffling. I, I don't think they can stop anything on defense. Mar Jackson is going to show me that he actually can play. And I think that even though Baker Mayfield is the most hurt, non-hurt player that actually still plays because he has injuries from like his wrist all the way down to his like ankle, I think that he'll be competent enough to win this game. I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to go Ravens plus two and a half. I know he threw four interceptions last week, or not last week, whatever it was, two weeks ago. Uh, against the Browns at home, but they still managed to win. Lamar Jackson, he's not played well, but I'm really banking on them rebounding here. I think they're overall a good football team. I'm sure they have a really bad taste in their mouth after that loss against Pittsburgh. And this is, I don't want to call it a must-win game for them, but if they lose, the AFC North is wide open again. So I think they win the game. I still have some questions about Cleveland. I like the Ravens here, plus two and a half. I think it's going to be a close defensive game, but I'm going to bet on John Harbaugh. And then I have the 49ers minus one and a half just because I, I like the 49ers defense. I know they don't have any of the running backs. I don't think Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson is going to play, but the other side, Joe Burrow's hurt. Joe Mixon's hurt. T. Higgins is hurt. I think they have too many injuries on the other side for the Bengals. And then my final pick of the week, it's also my premium pick of the week. I'm going to go Tampa Bay Bucks minus three and a half over the Buffalo Bills. Look, that defeat that the Bills took against the Patriots, I think that's significant. Uh, you could, it was evident, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, how the Bills players, their emotions, uh, Sean McDermott's emotions, throwing everyone's under the bus, throwing Brian Dable under the bus, throwing their kick returners, receiver, whatever you want to call it. He threw everyone under the bus. That team could unravel down the stretch. Uh, and not to mention, Tom Brady against the Bills in his career, 32-3. and three. I know he's not in the Patriots anymore, but it feels like he has Buffalo's number and Buffalo dreads every time he's under center. I like the Bucks here minus three and a half. I know they didn't play that fantastic against Atlanta, but uh, I think they're going to rebound here. And I think Brady's going to have a really good game. Bucks minus three and a half is my premium pick. The back of my mind though, is the bills need need to win this game. And oh, I this think game's that... going one way or the other. It's it's either the bills unravel or the bills rebound. One yeah, of the two. Because I think the Bills need it way more than the Bucks do. But that's why my premium pick of the week is the Cardinals minus one and a half. I, Kyle Murray's back. He saw four touchdowns. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is back. I, I think it's going to be a shootout, but I don't think Matt Stafford can keep up with the Cardinals offense. And I think that the Kyle Murray MVP votes are back on. And I, yeah. I think he's missed too many games, but he's played well against Chicago. Uh, so I like that pick, and I've been a Rams stan, whatever you want to call it, for the last year. So, And the Cardinals need to get more credit. Cardinals have got no credit. You're right, you're to. right. They have the best record in the NFL, and it feels like they are a secondary conversation in the NFC behind Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and even Dallas to some extent, and the Rams. And listen, I, I've hit my premium pick of the week since week eight. So, <sighs> Peter, guns blazing. I say that, and next week I'm going to be like, well, I lost my premium pick. Ah. <laughs> All right, Peter, but. All right. Anything left you got? Uh, go F1. This is, everybody watch F1 on Sunday. Everyone last, enjoy last F1. Last race yes. of the year. 
F1 was formula racing, right? Yeah, listen, listen. The pats are on the bye week. Just do it up. All right, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll tune in for I you. mean, you're not going to do it. You got to watch it on ESPN News. Isn't that sad? ESPN News. That is that is not even that's worse than ESPN too. Yeah, that's that's rough. But if you want to watch that? Peter recommends it. Oh yeah, stay hot. <laughs> <laughs>